Exactly what he needed to do. Off turn four, Joey Logano. Yeah, nice it, job, dude. The Penske Ford Mustang, a winner in St. Louis. Hello and welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we are going to be taking a quick look back at Gateway. See how that race went down, how did we do with our bets, and what do we think of the first time the Cup Series has gone to that racetrack. Then we will go further out west to Sonoma. It's wine country, and we are going to take a look at what we need to know about the racetrack this time around, talk about what data points we're going to be looking at for this race to try to make educated selections for our picks, and then we will get to our picks outright to win. I've got kind of one of everything this week. I'm excited about it in the outright section, then finishing positions and kind of prop bets there, and then, as always, head-to-head matchups at the end. And we'll talk a little bit about the truck race that's going down at Sonoma this weekend, and to wrap it up in the Phil's Fired Up section, we are going to give another sports book review, and this time it's the Barstool Sportsbook. So a lot to cover in this episode. So let's talk about Gateway. I think that it was a good first try, you know what I mean, for a racetrack that has definitely been clamoring for a while to get a Cup Series race. I didn't think uh, the racing was all that spectacular. It wasn't necessarily like super exciting, but... Here's what you need if you're going to have a first race, right? I don't think you could have scripted it any better. If you were a racetrack out there that was trying to get a cup race and you know the race finishes, what are some of the things that you would like to have on your resume for that race? Well, I think you'd like to see a great finish. We saw that with Kyle Busch and Joey Logano really dueling there at the end in the overtime. Joey Logano gets the victory. We'll talk about him in just one second. But I think that that overwhelmingly is what people remember when they think back to, you know, the race a year from now when we're going back to Gateway, we will remember that. So that's a a positive thing there. And then also we saw some drama with Ross Chastain and, well, two drivers, Chase Elliott and most notably Denny Hamlin. And there were some comments afterwards that we'll get into here. But from a Gateway standpoint, that's all money. You know what I mean? They've got a good finish. They got some controversy. They had some drama on the racetrack that kind of covers up a, a bit of a you know boring race, I would say, in, a, in some sense. You know, it was kind of tough to pass. But all in all, I think you're coming away with this saying, hey, not too shabby, especially for the first time there. So um, job well done by the racetrack. It definitely seemed like they were doing a lot. The broadcast talked about it a lot. I heard some uh, talk on podcasts after the fact that the racetrack had done a lot with trying to make it more uh, entertaining for the people that were there with concerts and all sorts of events on site, which is great. They handled the parking situation a, a different way and uh, it seemed to have worked out. So all in all, good stuff. Now we had our uh, our guy Asphalt DGen on last week 
and he was going to the race. And the, the one trouble I think we saw was he was having a lot of trouble with service at the race. But when it was over, he did end up tweeting out. Looks like they had a great tailgate there and seemed as if they had a really fun time at that track. So can't complain about that either. So good for Gateway. And it was good to talk with Asphalt Degen last week. Now, speaking of him, we had a full tank face-off and, well, I got pummeled. 3-0, got swept in the face-off last week. During certain times of the race, I was actually in the lead, uh, 2-1 to one in some cases. But uh, even later in the race, I actually kind of came out of the race thinking I had won. But, of course, we didn't win. Uh, 3-0 is what we kind of thought it would be, you know what I mean, with Briscoe, especially after Briscoe took the pole. That was like a really sobering realization when I had Harvick. That was my selection, Harvick over Briscoe. Um, Once he won the pole, that put me in a little bit of a spot there. And, well, 3-0, you know, good to see that that's how what we thought was going to happen. You know, when we were talking after it was over, it did seem like he had a, a good draft or a good selections there, and uh, turns out that was the case. So good on him. I don't remember the last time I was swept. Maybe Daytona last year um, by Chris, I think, from the Flag Hunting Podcast. I think that was a sweep. I'll have to check on that, but it's rare. Only my third loss of the year. So, uh, yeah, good for him in his uh, debut episode here. So we appreciate him coming on. So, um, looking at the way the race unfolded, we had Logano winning the race. Now, that's good for anyone who was tailing us from our uh, preseason episode. Penske over four and a half wins. That puts them up to three wins on the season. Not even halfway through. Feeling good about that over under right now. So, not too shabby there. And we had Logano. We talked about him last week finishing the top 10. He was minus 129 to finish in the top 10. We took that. And uh, obviously, he dominated that bet. Uh, we could have had him top five, top three, and outright. He was plus 1,600 to win the race. I did not take that, but was on Logano in a few different ways, and that paid off. So good stuff there. That was really where the uh, winning of the bets ended. Um, so we talked about Ross Chastain as the bet of the week, the tool hangers bet of the week, top five. He got into it with Denny and Chase and still somehow almost closed that one out for us. He finished eighth, so just missed on that one. But uh, still, all in all, fun race uh, to have with the face-off situation and Logano doing well for us. So, And, you know, can't underestimate the importance of these over-under uh, situations for the season-long bets. So three wins right now for Penske, four and a half is what we need. So not too um, upset about the fact that Logano wins, even though we weren't on him outright. So we will lick our wounds a little bit there and look ahead. You know, job well done by Gateway, put a bow on that. And now they will keep trucking out west to Sonoma, our second road course of the year. We went to Coda earlier in the season. It's been a little while since we've been back to a road course. And we're about to get a, a bunch of them here in a Good stretch in the summertime. We've got Road America coming up. We've got the, the Indy Road Course coming up, uh, among some others. So we will uh, be talking about these road course stats more and more. Now, we only have one road course this season to go off of, so you'll 
here in a second kind of how we're playing these data points. But, um, you know, as the season progresses, we'll, u- we'll use more and more of the stuff from this year. But one race at Coda is not enough for me to really go all in on what we saw there. So the first thing we need to mention when we get to Sonoma is the fact that the chute is back. Now, the last two years, they implemented the carousel, and that was because they had some big anniversary. I think it was like the 50th anniversary of the racetrack, and they were trying to say that the carousel brings drama and um, opportunities for passing. And really, what we saw was a kind of snooze fest the last few years at Sonoma, and, and the last two, they were using that carousel. So there are rumors that the drivers really kind of refuted the uh, conversation that, you know, the carousel brings more passing and they asked for the shoot to come back among you know the teams and maybe NASCAR was involved as well. So they decided as a group, you know what, we're going to bring back the shoot because that actually from what we've seen in all of the other years, 98 to uh, 2019, basically, we saw that there are more passing zones with the shoot in there. So it's back. And it's tough to kind of handicap this race at Sonoma this weekend because, well, we only have one race a year at Sonoma. And when we miss the 2020 season, now you're really stretching quite far back. You know, if you were to pull up the last 10 races at Sonoma, you're going all the way back to 2011. You know, Dodge has won a race in that time frame. We're talking a long time. And the fact that this is only the second road course of the year, like I had mentioned, also brings uh, some toughness to this whole conversation of who do we like and why do we like them. So first, we're going to take a look at the track stats. Now, at Sonoma, the winner has only started on the pole six times. All right, and Kyle Larson was the last driver to do that, and it was last year. I feel like Kyle Larson has had that when we do these track stats for these various tracks. Um, so far this season, he's had that statistic come up a few times. Now, starting in the top five, the winner has started there 53% of the time, and starting in the top 10, 71% of the time. So pretty standard there when you're looking at top five, top 10 amongst all tracks in NASCAR, that's pretty normal, and especially amongst the, the road courses. Um, so nothing out of the ordinary with those. Now, outside of the top 20, the winner has started there only two times, and the last time it happened was Kyle Busch in 2008. The other time it happened was the year, the year before that, in 2007, with Juan Pablo Montoya. So the interesting thing to note there is, out of all of the tracks in NASCAR, I think I did this last year, when we were trying to generate some statistics on maybe Watkins Glen, uh, looking at drivers starting outside of the top 20 on all road courses, I think Sonoma is the only track that it's happened at, but it's happened a long time ago. So we want to really focus on qualifying this weekend because if you got somebody that you're in on and you already have that bet in, they qualify 25th, you might want to look into either getting out of that bet or somehow um, spreading your money out on some other people who were inside the top 20. Manufacturer trends. Toyota has had a bit of a stranglehold on this racetrack, but like I said, we're going back 10 races. That's going back quite a long time 
at Sonoma. So five of the last 10 races here were won by Toyota. Chevy actually has two of the last five races. So more recently, maybe Chevy coming into the picture here. And um, Dodge, like I said, has a win before Chevy and Ford even have three wins. So if you're going looking back at the history of this racetrack, before you get to three wins for Chevy or Ford, there's a Dodge in there. And it was Kurt Busch, I believe. So long history here. Having one race a year, some of these racetracks on the circuit have a, a similar situation, really makes it tough to kind of gather data for what you're looking at. So as far as what I'm using on this episode, two different sets of information. The first is I'm only looking at the last four Sonoma races. I think past that, we're really getting into some deep territory back there. So we're looking at the 2017, 18, 19 and the 21 race at Sonoma. Remember, 2020 was canceled for both, both Watkins Glen and Sonoma. So four races at Sonoma. We'll look at driver rating average finish for those. Some of the more recent drivers only have one race under their belt at this racetrack. So in order to kind of even things out, what I wanted to do was look at any of the road courses from the year 2021 and this year. So that's a total of eight road courses. We're counting both Coda races. We are not counting, however, the clash that was at the Daytona road course preseason last year. So we're excluding that non-points paying race. So any points paying race in the last two seasons, the 2021 season and this current season, I'm looking at. So that's a total of eight races. And we're going to look at the average finish and driver rating and the stats within those as well, because we're trying to use these pieces of information to generate who do we like, who stands out to us at this racetrack and at road courses in general. So in that time frame, that eight race time frame, it's really been Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. Those two have been on fire and, well, no surprise, they are the two favorites in this race. And then the other three winners, I guess you can kind of consider them random winners. Christopher Bell won at the Daytona road course. A.J. Allmendinger had that wonky win at the Indy road course. And then, well, this year at Coda, it was Ross Chastain and an absolute wild finish. So you've got the, the heavy favorites and then the, I'll say it, wonky winners, uh, even though A.J. and Ross have proven to be pretty decent road course racers, you know, the way they went down was a little weird. So with that, let's get into some picks. And like I said, I have a bit of a stretch, a long spectrum on the odds and who I like. So a little bit of everything, Goldilocks situation here going on. I'm going to start with the favorite, Chase Elliott. Now, he is going to come to no surprise, right? You listen to this, you're saying, oh, of course you're going with Chase. Well, I don't see how you couldn't especially when his odds on Barstool right now are plus 600. It's not a surprise to me that he is the favorite to win the race. He's tied with Kyle Larson on Barstool's odds. He's plus 550 on DraftKings. The fact that he's a favorite is not the surprise. It's the fact that you can get him at plus 600. That's what really stands out to me. So I think most people agree he is this generation's like king of the road course. He is an absolute favorite for a reason. If you look at Sonoma, last four races at Sonoma, he's got two top five finishes and three top tens. He, out of all the road courses, I would say that, you know, this is a little bit weaker for him. His average finish is ninth at Sonoma, 
but his driver rating is fourth, 103.0. So those are pretty good, not what you expect to see for the quote-unquote king of the road course, right? But if you're looking at the last eight road course races, he has two wins, six top fives, eight top tens in the most recent road course races. Average finish for Chase Elliott in the most recent races is 5.9. That's first, of course. And it's almost going to take you double that to get to second place's stat. Second place in that category is over 10. Chase's average finish is 5.9. That is just wild. His driver rating is second, 113.1. And the first place driver is Larson, which is one-tenth ahead of him, 113.2. So Chase definitely has it going on. Obviously, we've known this, but to hear these stats, and, and we'll probably talk about Chase throughout the season when we get to these road courses, but to hear these stats each time, it's just staggering to get into it here. And, and talking about driver rating, there's a huge drop-off after Chase and Kyle Larson to get to the third-place driver in that category. Big, big drop-off there. So we absolutely have to be on one of these guys. Why not Chase Elliott? Now, last year, I spoke out and I said, when we went to Sonoma, I was not a fan of Chase at this racetrack because history said he really wasn't that good here. I know he was the big-time favorite you know, at road courses, but Sonoma really just didn't do it for him. Well, he went out and finished second. Really made me eat my words there. And this season at Coda, he finished fourth. So like I said, all those stats, that resume is worth it. If he was plus 250, plus 300, I'd probably steer clear of him just because that value is not there. But at plus 600, plus 550 even on DraftKings, that is super intriguing to me. He's even plus 100 to finish top three. So I'm also taking that as well because maybe Chase is off by just a bit or he does lose a duel like he did last year at Sonoma to his teammate. He's still cash in at plus 100. That's a good number there for his resume and his statistics. So lock me in for Chase Elliott, plus 600 to win the race, plus 100 top three at Sonoma. The next guy we're going to go with here is somebody who's been in the news recently, and it's somebody whose value, again, stands out to me. Plus 1,400 to win the race for Denny Hamlin. He's got one career road course win. It came at Watkins Glen. So that by itself, you say, well, you know, that's really nothing to shake your head at. But he jumped off the page to me when I was looking through the statistics and putting together my notes because his value is huge. So just to start talking about Denny Hamlin, in his last four races at Sonoma, two top fives, four top 10 finishes. So he's four for four finishing the top 10. His driver rating is fifth and his average finish in the last four at Sonoma is second, 6.8. So that right there never really stuck out to me as uh, something that was a reality, right? When you think of Sonoma, you're not nearly thinking Denny Hamlin as much as some of these other guys, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, maybe even Kyle Busch. Those are all, you know, some teammates of his. Those are all guys that you think of when you're talking about Sonoma. But Denny Hamlin, maybe it's just me, but I've never really thought of him that way. So then my mind's saying, all right, well, you know, looking at the last four at Sonoma, it does go back a little while, you know, 2017, and maybe more recently, you know, 
he can't be that good recently, right? Wrong. Wrong. I come to find out in the last eight races, 21 and 22 seasons, Denny Hamlin is a very serviceable driver here. Four top fives, five top tens. His average finish here is second as well, 10.1. His driver rating is third. So it seems as if, if you're looking at these categories, if it's not Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin is right there, Johnny on the spot. He's got the statistics that you're looking for here. So he needs, I guess, to get a win to really grab the sportsbook's attention. But if you're looking at these statistics in any way, shape, or form, I would say that this is a fantastic value to get on him. Obviously, there's some guys that you could call out. We did a second ago uh, that you know may have a better chance to win at this racetrack. But looking at the statistics, I don't know. Plus 1,400 with what we just read off, I really like this pick. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me why he'd be going off at plus 1,400. So then you consider recent events. What went down at Gateway with Ross Chastain? Chastain got loose or went for it a little too hard and pretty much wrecked Denny's day. And after the fact, you know, Ross Chastain came out and said, I, I take full responsibility. He was like a frightened turtle, basically, just like trying to stay away from anybody's anger, trying to take full responsibility. Might may have taken too much responsibility. I, I you know, we'll get into that maybe on uh, Derek's betting preview show because I think we'll be talking about Ross quite a bit. But Denny made it very clear that payback is a coming. And Justin Marks, the track house team owner, saying basically, bring it on, right? So this to me is an interesting dynamic, especially at a racetrack like Sonoma, because there are so many different places where you could just basically send a guy flying and it wouldn't ruin his race like it did at Gateway. But it feels like Denny Hamlin is almost like, you know, nuclear right now. Because if you're Ross Chastain, you better you better not be in front of Denny going into turn 11 uh, because you know he's not going to take any prisoners. But if you're anybody else, right, if you're driving around Denny Hamlin, who definitely has an axe to grind with one guy, that makes you maybe a little tense to make sure that you don't get into him a little bit and want to get on his radar. That's that's got to be something that's going through the psyche of a lot of these drivers out there, right? If you're a Tyler Reddick, say, or a Chase Briscoe, who already had a run-in with Denny at the Indy Road Course last year, right? You know that Denny is not going to hold back. He's got a win. One of his teams is already has a win this year. He's driving pretty loose, and he is not afraid to fight back. That might make me grip the wheel a little tighter than normal. So, I think drivers might be a little on edge around Denny at this racetrack, and who knows, maybe give him a little bit more space than they might normally give. Just trying to say, there's more to it than just the statistics here, and I think that uh, Denny could be reaping the benefits of that. So, plus 1,400 to win the race is just astronomical. I like it. And then plus 175 to win, excuse me, to finish top five. That's a huge number that I'm also going to be on. So I like Denny Hamlin in those spots this weekend, so lock me in for the 11 car. Now, the last guy that I'm calling out is someone that I'm talking about strictly because of the odds. All right, I was looking through the stat sheet that I put together every week, do the same thing every single week, and then I'm looking through the odds and trying to find you know where guys are and who makes the most sense as far as value picks are concerned. Well, 
there is somebody here that just doesn't make sense. And maybe if you're listening to this, you could say, well, Phil, there's actually a reason for that because I don't see it. It's Alex Bowman plus 3,000. What is going on here? He is my long shot. That's the only reason why I'm calling him out specifically. He's plus 300 to finish top five. So let's get into this here. I don't understand what's going on with this value because he's all over my stat sheet. If you're looking at the last four at Sonoma specifically, three starts for Bowman, all right? Two ninth place finishes. His average finish is sixth in NASCAR, 10.7. His driver rating is ninth at Sonoma. Then you're getting into the most recent eight road course races, and he's right there as well. One top five finish, five top 10 finishes. His average finish in that time span is fifth, 12.3. He's finished second this year in the next-gen car on a road course at Coda, and that is a race that he easily could have won. If you remember the craziness of that race, you know, Bowman was in control for a second there. They went three wide. Ross played dominoes and got a little bit lucky there. Um, So Alex Bowman definitely could have had a road course win, in which case we would not be seeing this number. So we should almost feel pretty thankful that that didn't happen because I really think that this is a swing and a miss by the sports books. I don't understand this disrespect, but I will take it. I mean, plus 3,000 and and this hits, you are set for a long period of time. That's a good, good number. Now, top five, plus 300, that's a must take as well. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense, this value. I I don't get it. So lock me in for Alex Bowman. He's driving part of that Hendrick crew, that Chevy crew. And we saw what his teammates did last year at this racetrack. So uh, the 48 car definitely has a legit chance. So to recap, the favorite, the middle, and the long shot, it's Chase Elliott, the favorite, plus 600 on Barstool Sports. Denny Hamlin, plus 1,400, kind of right in the middle there. And it's Alex Bowman, our super long shot, plus 3,000 to win outright. Firm, but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. Next up, we're going to get into our finishing position bets and some prop bets here. Got three picks that I'm calling out. And we're going to start with one bet that I actually have written down as the toolhangers.com bet of the week. But after doing a little bit of research, I'm actually saving that. Here's a little bit of teaser, saving that for the head-to-head section. All right, so there's a head-to-head matchup we're going to use that on. But the original bet of the week that I was looking at was Chevy plus 100. There are just too many drivers out there for me to choose from in the Chevy camp that I have to throw some money down on plus 100. I would have expected maybe some minus 110 action or minus 120, but plus 100 is just very tasty to me. So just listen to these drivers, right? I already talked about Chase. Then you talk about the other favorite, Kyle Larson. There's some other guys down there, Ross Chastain being one of them. Tyler Reddick is somebody that, you know, we're not talking about. I'm not getting into his stats, but why can't he win this race? He's had some decent numbers on road courses. A.J. Allmendinger is in this race, and we just saw him win another road course at Portland last week, first time they were there, and A.J. comes out victorious. So you got Alex Bowman in there. We just talked about him as a longer shot, but... How about his teammate, William Byron? Very easily is someone who could be a factor in this race. 
You know, both of those guys haven't really done too much recently, or at least Byron's been struggling as of late. So, hey, going back to a road course kind of changed the vibe of things. Why not? The fact of the matter is, this is a value pick at plus 100 because four of the top six favorites in the outright section are Chevy drivers. So I would have expected a, a much lower number there. So plus 100 to me is something I'm going to throw a little bit more on to try to get some action in on it because it sometimes is a tough thing to call, you know, which one. I called out Chase to win the race for good reason, but there are other guys out there that could jump up and surprise. If you get a wonky winner, you know, we called out uh, the other drivers who have won races this last two years on road courses, AJ was one, Chastain was one. So that's seven current Chevy drivers of the last eight winners. So lock me in for plus 100 because if somebody else is out there doing it and I haven't talked about them, if they're a Chevy driver, I want action on them. So now we'll get into a couple top 10 selections here. And the first guy I'm starting with is Kurt Busch. He's minus 125 to finish in the top 10. I was pretty anxious to see where these odds were going to land. And minus 125, I was a little disappointed. I thought we might get him at some plus money. But minus 125, still not too rich for my blood because going all the way back, 10 races at Sonoma, I know it's a long time, but Kurt's resume is pretty damn good. He's got one win, four top fives, and eight top 10 finishes. That's what we're looking for here. So that's an 80% hit rate to finish in the top 10. So that's really pretty good. So I need action on him. When I saw that, I was like, I got to get something on him here. He's plus 250 to finish in the top five. So again, at Sonoma, four for 10 in the top five, not too shabby, pretty good payout there. In the last four races at Sonoma, he's got three top 10s. So right on it, very consistent there. His average finish in that time frame at Sonoma is fourth out of everyone in NASCAR. In the last eight races, on road courses. So it's not just Sonoma now we're talking about. We're talking about all road courses. Kurt Busch is a sneaky road course guy. Two top five finishes. Four top ten finishes. That's a 50% hit rate for what we're looking for. It's a coin flip. So average finish being 10th in NASCAR. I like it. Minus 125. If it's too rich for your blood, maybe parlay that with a, another motorsport bet or another sport out there somewhere. Maybe Philly's money line if you're if you're me, but uh, I digress. Minus 125 by itself, I think, is still a pretty good bet. So I want something on Kurt this year at Sonoma because of his history. So lock me in, minus 125. The last driver I'm calling out here is another long shot. That's why we talk about some of these finishing position bets. Uh, for the most part, you know, in the history of this podcast, a lot of times I'm going with the value guys, the, the plus money guys. More recently this season, I've gone into the minus 125s like we just talked about. Eric Jones is plus 180, and that kind of fits the bill for what I've historically used this section for. So he's 15th in the driver standings right now. But unfortunately for him, if you're looking at the playoff standings, he's two on the outside looking in. So this stretch of races here in the summertime, starting with this road course and dipping into some more of these road courses, going to be very important for a driver like Eric Jones to come through. So your mindset then goes, well, you know, is he somebody that is going to just be knocked out of playoff contention because of these road courses, or is he going to keep himself alive? And what we saw in those last four races at Sonoma, he's got two top, fin top 10 finishes, including 
an 11th place finish while driving the 43 car last year. So just outside last year, he's got a 50% hit rate at Sonoma, not too shabby. And looking at everybody in average finish in that time span of four races, 10th in average finish, not too bad. I don't hate that at all. Now his last eight races, this is more recently now, because from Sonoma, those two top 10s, you know, they came in Gibbs equipment, even though he finished 11th last year in the 43. Now, recent success on road courses, two top 10 finishes, four top 15 finishes in eight races. So he's hovering around that area. Last year he finished, excuse me, this year he finished ninth at Coda. So that's in this next gen car. So it seems like he is somebody that would be able to thrive on this list of road courses coming up on the schedule. And to boot, seems like he might like Sonoma, most of all of them. So plus 180 is a pretty decent number for a top 10 finish for Eric Jones. He's had a decent season so far, and he's going to need it going into this summertime stretch. So plus 180 for Eric Jones, top 10. Kurt Busch, minus 125, top 10. And Chevy, plus 100 are the picks in the finishing position segment. And don't forget about the picks that we called out during our outrights. We're talking Alex Bowman for a top five, plus 300. Huge value there. Denny Hamlin, plus 175 for a top five. And Chase, plus 100 for a top three. Now, the last guy, I'm not going to get in any super big details on this. This is just something to take note of, maybe in practice. Chris Busher is seventh in average finish in the last eight races at road courses. He's plus 325 to finish in the top 10. Just something to think on, something to chew on, and maybe you want to act on it come Sunday morning. But a little food for thought as we close out this segment. Trex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around. All right, let's talk head-to-head matchups. I don't have a face-off this week with anybody jumping on, unfortunately. So, just going to call out some head-to-head matchups that I really feel strongly about. And this week, it's a little tougher because Barstool was the only sports book out there that had head-to-head matchups that were not part of the featured matchup section. Remember, featured matchups is what we break down on the betting preview show at Picks by Blaze on Twitter. That's Derek's show along with Skybox and Rory Picks and a guest every week. We talk about the featured head-to-head matchup. So I try to avoid talking about that on this show so it's not duplicated. And right now, DraftKings, my go-to, right? They didn't have any other head-to-head matchups out at the time of recording. So we're looking at some picks from Barstool Sportsbook. Now, the first matchup that I found pretty intriguing is Joey Logano going up against Chase Briscoe at even odds, minus 114. Now, I'm going to start by saying I would love to see Chase Briscoe get it going and get it done for that over-under that we have for Stuart Haas Racing on the season. It's over two and a half wins. We've already got one from Briscoe early on, so if he were to step it up on these road courses, I would not be complaining because the season bets kind of super speed excuse me, supersede these individual head-to-head matchup bets. But this is quite a even matchup here head-to-head if we're looking at it this week at Sonoma. They're both four and four head-to-head in the last eight races on road courses. So let's start by talking about Chase Briscoe 
because it seems like fans are just waiting for Chase Briscoe to come alive during the road course part of the season. That's just what the vibe is, right? He hasn't been doing that well, and when anybody on like NASCAR radio or any podcast out there uh, talks about Chase Briscoe, it's like, well, he's struggling now, but wait until the road courses come around, right? That's what we keep thinking of. So looking at the last eight road courses, he's got three top 10s, four top 20s, That's a 50% hit rate for a top 20. His average finishing position is 18.5. That's not exactly what you would expect out of somebody who's just waiting around, pining away for the road courses. His driver rating is 74.6. That's mid-tier, right? That's not anything to write home about. He's got one career cup start at Sonoma. It came last year, and he finished 17th. So we can't throw a lot of eggs in that basket. It was one start, first time in the cup series at that racetrack. But I'm still nervous about the fact that, you know, he's been here once, didn't really do that well, and this quote-unquote road course guy, you know, 50% of the time he's in the top 20. That's not really that great, right? So maybe it was just the fact that, I don't know, everyone's talking about him, setting the bar a little too high. If I went in with like kind of a blind resume thing, maybe I would have been more in line with Briscoe and what I was seeing. Now, if we're looking at Joey Logano, he's got a surprisingly high driver rating in the last eight road course starts. Sixth out of everyone in NASCAR, 94.0. Compare that to Chase's 74.6. My goodness, it's not even a ball game. Three top five finishes, four top tens. Five top 20s. He's got a better average finish, 14.8, than Briscoe. And, you know, the most recent races for Joey have not been great, but Sonoma, last year he finished fourth. He's got that momentum coming off of this win. He's going to a racetrack where he's got just endless amounts of experience compared to Briscoe. And so I'm going to go with Joey Logano in this matchup. It's just, like I said, the, the driver rating stat really. Uh, separating himself from Briscoe. I know they're four and four head to head in the last eight, but I think Joey kind of has that momentum. His season's going, you know, better than Briscoe. So lock me in minus one fourteen for Joey Logano. Now the next matchup I have is one that I did not expect to see head to head, and it's Kevin Harvick as the favorite minus one twenty one versus Eric Jones minus one oh eight. Now. Talked about Jones for a top 10. I typically don't like to talk about the same guy over again, but there was something about this matchup that, you know, really stood out to me. So I felt like it was worth bringing into play here. Talking about Kevin Harvick, he really let me down last week. You know, I I get scorned when these guys let me down after going on and on and on about him. Like I said, he was a a big pick for me in the faceoff, and he completely did not show up. And that was at a track where the comparable racetracks, he was the number one driver in speed rating. And he was just completely out to lunch, got into an accident, um, on top of really not driving that well, uh, having a good race. He was mid-pack all day, finished 33rd or something like that. So completely let me down last week. The reason that that matters to me is because at Sonoma, he's got great numbers. In his last four races, he has a win, two top fives, and three top tens. Average finishes third. Now, that win feels like a lifetime ago, right? Last year, he finished 22nd. So the reason I brought up the stuff about last week 
was that the stats were kind of saying, hey, this is somebody that could be good at this racetrack, just like we're seeing this week at Sonoma. But for whatever reason, this year, Kevin Harvick just has not stepped up. That over-under I talked about when we were talking about Briscoe for Stuart Haas Racing, I thought Harvick could do that by himself. That is looking like that is an absolute no-go. I'm going to need some of these other guys to step up here, or Harvick's going to have to fall into one. So his last eight road course starts, two top tens. That's Kevin Harvick. That's Kevin Harvick, two top 10s, four top 20s. When you're dipping into like the top 20 action, you're usually doing that for other guys, right? Not big names like Kevin Harvick. His average finish in the last eight road course races, 19.8. That's a yikes when you're looking into somebody like this. So he finished 11th at Coda this year, not too shabby. But what I'm seeing here is you got to look at this kind of on a spectrum. I'm seeing Harvick's range going anywhere at Sonoma this week from like 15th to 25th. All right, now let's talk about Jones a little bit more. I kind of just got done talking about him and why we liked him for a top 10. But, you know, he has as many top 15 finishes in these road course starts as Harvick has top 20. That's four. Jones has seven top 20 finishes. He's seven for eight, very consistent on these road courses. The other thing is, these two drivers are the first two out of the playoffs. They have to be mining their P's and Q's, and I'm going to go with a guy who's more consistent. I like Jones to finish in the top 10, but to beat one other guy, I like that even better, especially when the guy is someone who just can't seem to get themselves together. Kevin Harvick on a downswing, Eric Jones outperforming his equipment in the 43 car this year. Lock me in for the underdog in this matchup, Eric Jones, minus 108. I love it. Now, the last matchup we're going to talk about is the one that I changed the Tool Hangers pick of the week for on my notes. Like I said, I liked Chevy plus 100 originally, but I'm shifting it to Kyle Busch over Ross Chastain minus 114. Now, to to remind you about toolhangers.com, it's toolhangers with a Z, Com. They specialize in custom tool hangers for storing, organizing, and displaying on pegboard tool walls, circular saws, drills, batteries, cords, garden tools, hand tools, anything that you have kind of lying around your shed or your garage or your tool bench area. These guys have something for you to organize that space a little bit better. Now, we've got a, a great thing going on there where if I hit this bed of the week, that $10 that I'm allotted each week goes into a piggy bank and we're putting that into a gift card auctioned off or not auctioned off, given away after the Daytona regular season race finale. So that is why this bet of the week is important. You can go to toolhangers.com slash full tank to see what that pot is at any given time and our record for the bet of the week as the season goes on. So the reason why I changed it from Chevy plus 100 to Kyle Busch minus 114 is because of everything that I saw when I was doing this matchup, right? I, I put together my notes and I said, you know what? This, I love this. So this is even odds, but I do not think that it should be even odds. Everyone is all over Ross because he won at Coda this year. But the stats speak a different story. I'm going with Kyle here because in both data sets, he is better. Let's first start with Sonoma. In those last four races at Sonoma, he's four for four in top five finishes. He's got the best average finish in that time span, 4.3. That's wild at a road course. Like anything can happen to you at a road course. He's 4.3. 
absolutely insane. So he's very good at this racetrack. He's got a legit chance to win this race, right? I mentioned that when we were talking about our outright picks. He's someone that could easily get this job done. Now, in his last eight road course races, four top fives, five top tens, average finish 13.6. Ross, his average finish 15.3. So Kyle has him in that stat. Kyle also wins driver rating by a decent amount, 99.9 to 91.1. So even when we're looking at Ross's recent success at road courses, you know, his good finishes that he's had. The reason why people are saying, oh, Ross is a road course guy now. If you look at those races, Kyle beats him most of the time. In that eight-race span, Kyle has a 6-2 to two head-to-head advantage in their series against each other. And one of those wins where, you know, Ross took the win was his actually race win. It seems like Ross is going to have to do that if he wants to beat Kyle, essentially. So when Ross did well, Kyle did better. That Coda win, you know, stands out, but we talked about how it was kind of, you know, a bit craziness. He earned it, that's for sure, and we cashed in on that, by the way. You know, I don't want to downplay what went down there. I talked about it quite a bit with the Bowman stuff and now Kyle. Great win by Ross Chastain. We loved it. But that doesn't mean that you know, it's going to translate into success for the rest of the year. And for what I'm seeing here, I love Kyle Busch with all these stats at a racetrack that he is very good at. So that's why I'm putting the tool hangers better of the week all over Kyle Busch minus 114. So to recap, we have Bush over Chastain, Jones over Harvick, and Logano over Briscoe this week in our head-to-head matchups. All right, so for the Phil's Fired Up section, I've actually changed locations now in case I uh, sound a little bit different. I'm back down in my office that I usually record in as opposed to upstairs near the windows. So um, hopefully it sounds a little bit better. I uh, apologize about the rest of it, but I've got a couple things to talk about here in the Phil's Fired Up. We're going to get to the Barstool Sportsbook review in just a second. But we've got truck action yet again. Look at the stretch of truck races that we've got. Even next week when the Cup Series is off, we will be off uh, not having a podcast, but you can definitely give us a look at the Twitter Spaces betting preview show. We are still planning on doing a show all about the trucks at Knoxville next week. So you can't get a full tank with Phil episode. Give us a look on Twitter. You can always replay that. It's out there available. I'll always retweet that information for you. But the trucks this week, it's going to be super interesting this week at Sonoma because we've got cup drivers in this race and we've got drivers that are cup series regulars in the field this week. And we've got some truck regulars that are pretty darn good on road courses. So um, just wanted to give some quick thoughts on this race. We've got Kyle Busch. You can get him at plus 200 on DraftKings. That is just crazy. We keep saying, right, if you look at the start of the season, he was minus 200 in his first truck race this year. And he consistently keeps getting, you know, longer and longer. So now he's all the way up to plus 200 on DraftKings, plus 180 on Barstool, because he hasn't won a race. If he had won the first two, he'd still be down in that minus money category. But because he's not winning the races, he keeps going up. So it's almost like an insurance policy. We talked about how Kyle Busch is absolutely a freak at this racetrack in the Cup Series. Well, then we're going to a track that the trucks have not been to, maybe ever, I, You know, not recently. So 
that's huge when you got a driver that's as experienced as Kyle Busch, plus 200 really stands out to me. The other cup guys that are in it, Ross Chastain, he's plus 500, the last uh, truck winner uh, at Charlotte before last weekend. And then we've got Alex Bowman jumping into the rod. He's plus 800 driving for the seven truck. That's a race winning truck with William Byron earlier in this year. So the Cup Series guys will definitely play a factor. But if you're not looking at the you know, Cup Series regulars, if you're looking for somebody else, how about Ben Rhodes plus 1,000? He's got some really good stats at road courses, three top fives in his last like six races. I don't have the stats up directly in front of me, but Zane Smith also a factor in the road course races. These are guys that are really competing for a championship and they've kind of have to, you know, get better at road courses if they're going to continue that championship run and these are drivers that have definitely stepped up to play john hunter nemechek is also someone that you know he's plus 800 the non-cup drivers you get super good value on so it's well worth your nickel to throw some dollars down on the truck series guys because they've proven time and time again that they're able to compete now you throw that plus 200 in as an insurance policy on kyle bush hope that ross and alex uh, don't get anything done and you throw some more coin on the truck series regulars and you could be having yourself a, a good day. The head-to-head -head matchups that I'm looking at right now, uh, these are through Barstool. I really like Ben Rhodes minus 130 over Chandler Smith. Ben Rhodes strikes me as a guy that could definitely be a factor for the win at Sonoma. His road course stats are worth it. Then we've got Zane Smith and John Hunter Nemechek. I don't really want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. I like both of them you know, on road courses and in general. So the only other one that I'll look at is Ross Chastain minus 136 against Alex Bowman plus 102. I think I might take Alex Bowman in that matchup, even though Chastain's coming off a win in his last truck start. The plus money is pretty intriguing. He's the only guy in head-to-head -head matchups that has uh, plus money, plus 102. So, you know, anything can happen on a road course. That seven truck is obviously legit. So Bowman, being a uh, experienced road course driver in general, like we talked about earlier in this episode, give me the plus money in that matchup. I, I don't think that that's too shabby. So just some quick thoughts on the truck series while I'm at it here in the Phil's Fired Up section. But now let's get to the sportsbook review here. I talked about FanDuel a few weeks back, one of the last episodes where we didn't have a guest on. And I want to talk about Barstool next because I think Barstool is definitely that next level up, that next tier up. The first thing that stands out to me about Barstool is the user interface is definitely better than FanDuel. They are trying. They are making an attempt to be a little bit different, and I think it works. I think what they have going on definitely works out, uh, like I said, better than what we're seeing with FanDuel. So, User interface, though, is very subjective. Everyone kind of likes what they like, and they don't like what they don't like. But let's talk about the facts, because the fact is they get their odds and the NASCAR stuff up there sooner than FanDuel, but they're still behind a couple of the other sports books. Um, at least if you want to go, <clears throat> excuse me, head-to-head -head versus DraftKings, DraftKings has their odds out usually first. Barstool is definitely like the next best tier. So they're, they're like the mid-tier, mid to, to high tier. So they're usually pretty good at getting their odds to win the race up maybe on like a Tuesday. And then you start to slowly see the other stuff come out. 
Now, where Barstool starts to jump ahead is when, you know, MGM and DraftKings, for example, they've got their, you know, picks to win and top three, top fives out there. Barstool will will jump the gun and they'll go further. They'll go top tens. And their top ten odds, historically this season, have been better than what we're seeing at other sports books. So where you've got like a Ricky Stenhouse Jr. going off at plus 100 on a DraftKings, at Barstool, his top 10 might be like plus 150. That was really their bread and butter for a significant portion of the season. I still, when I'm looking at top 10s, I always go to Barstool to see what those are. And the fact that they get those top 10 lines out earlier than anybody else definitely stands out. So they're kind of quietly making that like their thing. If you're a, a NASCAR gambler and you're really taking note as to, you know, shopping around your picks and who's doing good at what, Barstool does damn good stuff when it comes to the top 10. Now, that trend of much better odds have really started to even out um, more recently. We've seen, you know, nothing astronomical like we used to see, right? We used to be able to get you know, today, right? We mentioned uh, Kurt Busch. He's minus 125. I think earlier in the season, their odds for the top 10s were so favorable for the gambler. You might have been able to see him at like plus 125 or plus 150. But now things are starting to come back down to earth. They are slightly better for the drivers who are, you know, not the heavy favorites. So Barstool, in that sense, that's top notch. We love when we're getting better odds. Now, for the outright picks, it's very hit or miss. They are looking at plus 600 right now for the favorite in Chase Elliott. But if we're looking at the truck series matchup, it's the opposite. They've got the favorite Kyle Busch at a uh, shorter odd than somebody like DraftKings or MGM. So you have to kind of shop around a little bit. I don't think that's a, a negative check mark or a positive check mark. It's just, you know, they're in the ball game and you just have to make the decision. Each driver, they, they clearly have a, a little bit different view on uh, the race in general. So that, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm not saying that that's positive or negative. Now, the head-to-head matchups, this is the, the kicker for me. Because just like always, they get the featured matchups. DraftKings has it. MGM has it. It's the four featured matchup every week. And they have them in their own section. But they also have the head-to-head matchups, which I riffed off of earlier in this episode, just a, a segment ago. The thing that separates Barstool from being just a a really top-tier sports book for NASCAR, in my eyes, is the fact that you cannot parlay head-to-head matchups. I actually was on the support channel with them today trying to get to the bottom of that, and they said that it has nothing to do with Barstool. Even if they wanted to, they would not be able to because it's their odds provider. Um, Now, I tried to get to see who that was. I know for a while it was a, a group called Camby, but I think they may have switched over to Penn National Gaming at this point, which owns Barstool. So, you know, it couldn't be that hard of a phone call if that's the case. If it is Penn National, and Barstool really wanted to make a change. It doesn't seem like it would be that big of a deal. But if they were able to parlay head-to-head matchups in NASCAR for all three series, that would be a huge game changer. But at the moment, they can't. So that's really, in my eyes, keeping them from being uh, a top-level sports book. They are very serviceable. 
They're much better than FanDuel. They get their odds in early. They have a, a good UI. They have a lot of different betting options, right? It's not just head-to-heads and outrights, top tens. They've got manufacturer bets. They've got prop bets. They've got team bets. They've got a lot of good stuff there. In addition, they do probably, out of everybody, something they do better um, than any other sports book is promotions. They have multiple promotions so far throughout the season where you know they're throwing it onto their main page and you can opt in and it's a bonus for you as the gambler. And so that is something that, you know, I'm not sure. Barstool used to have a relationship. Barstool Sports used to have a relationship with NASCAR. Matt DiBenedetto drove the Barstool car at one point. I don't know if that relationship has fizzled, but they still do some promotion there on their sports book. So that part is top-notch. We like to see that. Um, so overall, my score for the Barstool uh sports book ranking right we, we've got the dave portnoy pizza reviews the, the one bite reviews i'm gonna give barstool an 8.1 on my scale for their sports book it's, it's great uh excuse me good not great they are mid to high tier i use it every week but there's just a little bit more to be desired and if they can overcome that hurdle that i mentioned and keep their top 10 odds top notch we will really be a big fan of this sports book. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Go out, have a nice glass of red wine for wine country this weekend at Sonoma, the road course, and let's cash some tickets. We are off next week, so find me on the Twitter Spaces show at Picks by Blaze for the truck race and the U.S. Open golf conversation. And we'll be back in a couple weeks for Nashville. So remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next time.